LA Metro Magazine podcast is here to bring you the entertaining, informative, and inspiring stories of the people who live, work, and play in the greater Lewis and Auburn, Maine area. I'm your host, Colby Michaud. In this episode, we sit down with Matt Leonard, the founder and CEO of Military Talent Source. He talks about what it's like to be a veteran, how it's sometimes challenging to find work after the military, and how MTS helps with that. This is LA Metro Magazine Podcast, Episode 13. Hey, Matt. Welcome to LA Metro Magazine Podcast. Well, thanks for having me. Thanks for joining and thanks for stopping by. Um, For those that don't know who you are, you are the founder and CEO of Military Talent Source. Correct, yeah. Um, Can you talk a little bit about what that is? And then we'll switch gears and we'll go sort of into the past and get your background and all that too. Yeah, sounds good. So basically, Military Talent Source is a for-profit company that I founded uh, after I left the Chamber of Commerce uh, nearly four years ago now. So essentially, um, the long and short of it is is companies, associations, colleges, training institutions pay us to find separating veterans to meet and fulfill their uh, opportunities that they're offering. Gotcha. Okay. So we're definitely going to talk more about military and veterans and, and your business. But before we do, let's go back in time and uh, share what you'd like to share with your your background and how you got into the military. Yeah. So I was born and raised in Portland. Um, um, and as soon as I graduated high school, I joined the Navy, served for 21 years, came back to Maine. And my first job when I got out of the service was president and CEO of the Lewis and Auburn Chamber of Commerce. And what I realized while I was there was... Um, my buddies were calling me up in the military and they were saying, hey, Matt, what's wrong with me? I can't even get a job interview. And at the same time, I was talking to business owners every day who said their number one challenge, particularly here in Maine, was not being able to find the talent to fill their jobs. So when I left the chamber, I realized, well, that seems like an obvious issue, an obvious problem where, you know, maybe we could go to work to fix that. So that's what Military Talent Source does, is companies pay us to find the talent to fill their opportunities. And, you know, the benefit is to the military member because it's no cost to them. So we have job openings and industries all over the country, all different types of jobs at all different levels. And every day we're looking and talking with veterans who are getting out of the military and and kind of counseling them on how to be a fit for that job, as well as informing the client why that military member who may not have a typical resume is going to be a fit and an asset for their company. And what are some of those those qualities and traits of uh, a military veteran that companies are looking for yeah like every company will tell you right out of the gate they want someone who's going to show up on time do what they're going to what they're told can follow direction can be loyal dependable um and have a little bit more of a spine today than probably what you see a lot you know um and you know military members are used to taking correction and having constructive criticism so they have this you know foundation of ability and attribute that's going to make them a great employee, usually the deficit is is industry experience per se or certain certifications that you would see in the civilian world that they might lack. So, But what we tell companies all the time is you can hire the person and, hire, and train the proficiency. So once you change that mindset, um, your company can be a lot more successful in, in filling the roles that it needs to in order to make more money. Do you have any... Um any stories or case studies you want to share that were success stories, in other words? Yeah. So, you know, we 
you know, we work with a large solid waste industry company here primarily in the Northeast. And um, what I think is really unique is we were able to um, find a, a young female separating from the Coast Guard. She was a young officer, Coast Guard Academy grad, and never in a million years would have even looked at their industry, um, but became a fit for a management position. So that was a six-figure salary, full benefits, stock options. So this isn't like, you know, not a great opportunity. This is a win-win for everybody. And what I was getting at is, you know, not only would that individual not look at the solid waste industry as a potential career post-military, but particularly now companies are interested in diversity and inclusion. So that industry is primarily male-dominated, but here we're able to bring a young female leader in with with bona fide um, experience, being a Coast Guard Academy grad and a lot of management experience to enter their industry. Right. So. Yeah, that's cool. Um, how do you? How does military talent source find the the veterans to connect to these companies? Right, so it's myself and uh, and five other people. So there's six of us full time right now. We're looking to grow here uh, shortly again, but there's no substitution to person to person connection. So every day, one of our members of our team is on a military base somewhere, talking to people who are getting out of the service. They're looking on LinkedIn. They're looking at, through a lot of different networks and publishing information, trying to connect with veterans, let them know about the opportunities that are out there. So for a lot of companies, even though they have an internal recruiting team. They have internal HR. I like to say that we're a force multiplier and that we're going to connect and talk to people who you otherwise wouldn't talk to. So, if you know, you're all, companies are obviously looking for people and finding people in, a, in the way that they are right now. This is just going to enhance those efforts even further. So, it's not a replacement, it's more of a multiplier from for the action that companies are taking. Okay. And you have, you're operating in nationwide, correct? And yep. you have clients all over the country. Yep. Um, so I imagine that you're also talking to veterans that are from all over the country. Right. And sometimes you're bringing those veterans to Maine. Right. So how is this also a benefit for the state? Yeah, a couple points to make on that. I would say for the first and foremost, people think that bringing people to Maine who are from Maine who are currently serving in the military is going to be some kind of solution to you know our aging demographics, and it's not. At any given time, there's about 5,400 active duty people who are from Maine as a home of record. We could bring them all home right now, take them all out of the military, and that's not going to have a significant impact in the long-term changes in our demographics. That said, too, is a lot of these people who join the military from Maine are never going to come home, and you're never going to convince them to come home because they're going to get married, they're going to meet somebody from away, they're going to live there, or they're going to fall in love with places where they're stationed, whether it's Southern California or somewhere down south. They're just not going to come home. So that's not a viable strategy. But the first and foremost, there are Mainers like myself who are going to retire from the military that want to come home, that have become disconnected from opportunities in Maine. And if they believe the narrative that they're, quote unquote, aren't good paying jobs here, they're going to get frustrated quickly. So those are one group of individuals that I love to connect with when we're out and about, you know, the fellow Mainer who are meeting in Fort Drum, New York, um, or you know, down in Camp Lejeune in North Carolina or wherever, say, hey, we're from Maine too, we're a Maine-based company, we can connect you with certain areas, right? The second part of that is 
There are people who have knowledge of Maine. Maybe they came to summer camp here. Maybe their parents brought them here. Uh, maybe they're from the Northeast or East Coast individuals who understand at least where Maine is. And then it's really about presenting the opportunity because Maine can be that small pond, if you will, the proverbial small pond. So the connections are realer here is we can connect people to actual people that are going to make a decision about hiring them. And if you're going to break into a career here, it may be easy easier than, than some other major metropolitan areas. So we worked, one of our clients is the main department of corrections and we created programs that allow people to come here, um, to break into corrections and you can come here, break in, and it doesn't mean you got to live here forever or that we have clients in aviation where it's easier to connect and get your initial job and that initial amount of experience here in Maine. And then, you know, if you ever want to move, you know, no one can take that away from you. It's on your resume. So Two twofold strategy. There are people who are from Maine that we want to bring home and help transition them back, but also we want to promote Maine to people who who otherwise wouldn't move back here. And that young couple that I spoke of, the person working in the solid waste industry, they were from the Midwest, stationed in uh, um, Portsmouth, and they bought a home here in Maine. So we had two young professionals. Her husband separated from the military, and he was an engineer. So we brought two young professionals in their mid-20s with master's degrees and and brought them into Maine, which, which we need to do in order for the state overall to be successful. Hmm. Uh, you served 21 years in the Navy, Correct. is that right? Yep. I'm sure you learned, you had a lot of different experiences through the Navy and learned a lot of lessons. Mm-hmm. What What do you take from that experience to your business today? Yeah, I think first and foremost is about the team. So it's myself and five individuals, and, it, and it's becoming you know experienced and and understanding of people and the dynamics that people bring to a team. Um, you know, how do you motivate people? How do you manage people? How do you reward people? Can you understand that everyone's different? And I think as a leader in my position as a CEO, is I'm primarily charged with being the visionary, looking out over the horizon. How are we growing as a company? What are we going to do next? How do we stay up to date? But also really responsible for the team. You know, while the team's taking care of the daily stuff to meet the mission, to recruit people, to fill our opportunities and at the end of the day, make money for the company. My job is to take care of them and make sure that um, they're working to their, their greatest potential that they have to offer and they're taken care of. So I think anyone who served in the military will, would immediately identify with that, that leadership is about influence. I mean, that's the definition of, influ- of leadership is about the ability to influence people to do what you want them to do, whether they want to or not. But the other part of leadership is really about taking care of people. And, and when you have that experience, I think it's just a different dynamic to understand that somebody's going to have a bad day, that uh, people are people, they're going to be emergencies. Um, it, it's just an, that experience, I think, helps me a lot to build a team and manage a team. Now, does anybody on your team uh, also serve in the military? Yeah, yeah, four out of five of them have actually uh, spent some time in the military. Would you say that was a coincidence or by design? Um, uh, probably a little bit of both. I mean, the way I hire and the way I would advocate to hire is recruit, um, for the talent, really, you know, the people that we've added as we went along, um, were talented individuals that I saw out there who 
expressed an interest of coming on board. I wasn't actively looking to hire at the time. I just took advantage of an opportunity to bring somebody on the team. I, I look at like Bill Belichick. Every year, the Patriots are winning the Super Bowl, but every year that team was built differently, right? They, they had a different scheme, and Belichick implements a playbook that meets his current team. He doesn't just carry around a scheme and try to stuff people into it. And that's about long-term success. So I brought talented people on board. I had them help me figure out how we're going to be successful. We make changes as needed. And we've done that over the course of in January will be four years. So the company has consistently grown. Um, and I think a lot of that has to do with bringing in good people and being mindful of, of the team that nobody is successful by themselves. Yeah. And so now we're, you know, it's towards the end of summer 2020 and we're about six months into a pandemic. How has coronavirus affected your business and, and how you operate? Yeah, I thought, you know, I think like a lot of people thought it was the beginning of the end, but um, not to break my arm patting myself on the back, but when I built military talent sources, we're a 100% telecommute company. So we didn't invest in overhead that didn't help make money. So we don't have an office. We don't have physical space. There's no requirements for people to show up at a specific time at a specific location. So um, Fiona, who's on our team, actually lives in Connecticut, and people live all over the state, um, the other four. Um, that obviously positions us greatly because we were using, you know, Microsoft Office 365, and we're using Ring Central, which installs an app on your phone, so it's like you have a business phone with you. So everything we were doing was already designed to be successful in that environment, so there was literally no hiccup at all. Um, that said, you know, I'd say the second thing is we lost no clients during during the height of the pandemic. And that's because I like to say that MTS is a relationship-based company is we don't charge transactions. A lot of what we do is what's called a recruitment process outsourcing model, RPO, which is like Netflix. Companies pay us a flat monthly fee for the services that we provide. And we do more than recruiting. We do a lot of program development and workforce development initiatives and grant writing. So you get a whole array of services for a flat monthly fee. Um, and because of that, because of the relationship we had, even when we weren't actively trying to place somebody, none of, none of our clients left us. So that was an advantage. Where we did have take an impact, though, was on the contingency hiring, where it's literally we get paid a commission for placing somebody. And when people weren't hiring, we obviously took a hit on to revenue for that perspective. Because right. a lot of companies weren't hiring. A lot of companies laid people off and, you know that kind of changed the demand for a bit, but it's, it's turning around now. Companies are starting to hire again. Yeah. Are there any, I'm just wondering, are there types of companies or clients that military talent source prefers to work with or, or does better overall with Yeah. different industries? Yeah. So we're a main base company. However, you know, like a lot of successful main companies, a lot of our business growth is in locations outside the state of Maine. So right now, if we're going to work with a main company, we want someone that has a footprint in Maine, but is more of a nationally based company with multiple locations, with multiple opportunities and multiple occupational specialties. So a lot of the companies we're working with right now are well-known companies, Fortune 500 style companies that have multiple locations in this country. 
Um, they have multiple occupational specialties, and they understand that you know it's just not straight line recruiting. You know, I have an open position, and I need to, I need to put somebody in it. So, those are the companies we're working with. We just signed with a. Um, a company that's headquartered in Rhode Island, but they're a major bank, a major national bank, and we're going to be working with them in commercial development banking and bringing and transitioning veterans into that role, whereas they begin in the summer with like a, a paid internship. It's really a training program, and then they work in commercial development um, banking or they work in their analyst position. So. I tell people I'm not running a lemonade stand. It's it's a legit company that makes money and and is playing uh, a larger and a more expansive role in uh, our client base. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you don't think, or at least I don't think of a military veteran going into banking mm-hmm. after they retire, um, which kind of leads me to the the topic of what is the modern veteran. You know, because I think there are a lot of misconceptions about. And we've talked about this before right. in other places, so I would love your your thoughts on that. Yeah, I mean, specific to banking, I mean, if 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 you're in the banking industry, or just think of the, your account being at your bank, it's about trust, right? You want somebody there that you trust to take care of your money, quite literally, right? And banking has a lot of regulations, rules, regulations, processes, standards. It's about trust. It's about integrity. And and you quickly see the link to military, right? When you bring somebody in who is used to following orders, doing what they're told, making sure that they understand rules, regulations, and at the end of the day are there to um, provide security, safety, defend this country, um, that's who you want looking over your money. Um, on the analyst side, you know, a lot of people in the military are analyzing threats every day, whether they're in combat actively, and it's about figuring out how dangerous this patrol going to be, or it's at the Pentagon and looking at our national strategy. So there's a lot of mutual um, traits and experiences that quickly can transfer in, into those realms. Um, more generally, you know, today's veteran, a lot of people don't understand, or I don't think they understand a lot. I think, unfortunately, because of the way the media portrays veterans, right? You hear about post-traumatic stress. You hear about suicide. You hear about drug use. And the reality is that's like in any population. It's the overwhelming minority of individuals who have those issues. Now, is that significant? Yes. Is it a significant number? You've heard the number 22 veterans a day commit suicide. Um, Those are generalities. But if you dial down into the stats, this is going to be a different story. So I like to talk about the majority of veterans today. And the majority of veterans today aren't the veterans of yesterday. Nobody joined the military to escape going to jail today, right? Today's enlisted are high school graduates. Today's enlisted have some college by the time they leave the military. 80% of enlisted veterans can code in one or more languages. They're familiar with tech. They're using technology today that is not the technology from yesterday. So in Iraq, we use things called a Blue Force Tracker. It is some high-speed tech. Um, it's, like, it's like a GPS system on steroids where it mapped all of you know the assets that are in country. We're using advanced radios. We're using um, IED defeat mechanisms that are electronic-based. We have people serving on ships that are using advanced radar and technology. And so today's enlisted are, are light years ahead of having an experience and talent with technology and mechanics 
and electronics. And, you know, you look at, like, the Navy. Our aircraft carriers and our submarines are powered by nuclear reactors. So these young individuals are out there under the water on secret missions responsible for taking care of nuclear reactors. And if something breaks, you can't just go down to Home Depot. Like, these people have had an awesome responsibility and have some tremendous training that the average person in America just doesn't get today. And then not to mention that the people in those positions have a security clearance, which means they've been under a tremendous amount of scrutiny. So you kind of know what you're getting. Hi, I'm Nicole, Association Director of Health, Wellness, and Fitness at the YMCA of Auburn-Lewiston, here with a few tips on how to keep your family engaged and excited about staying active. Make small changes at first until everyone is comfortable and it becomes a routine. Make it a regular part of your day, whether after dinner or starting the weekend off with a morning walk, for example. Schedule time on the calendar. We recommend children get 60 minutes a day of physical activity and two to three hours a week for adults. Have a family activity calendar and designate time every day for activities, whether outside or inside. Outdoor activities may be dependent on the weather, but that's just an opportunity to be creative. Walk around the mall, go to an indoor swimming pool or track. You can even play active video games from the comfort of your living room. And of course, there's always the option to visit the Y. By incorporating physical activity into your family schedule, it helps keep everyone healthy and accountable. Working together outside, taking care of the yard, raking, gardening, or playing sports helps build character and draws you closer together. Since nearly everything is done virtually these days, it's important to take a break and turn off our devices for a couple hours. Instead, play an active family game like charades or dance to your favorite music. This will keep things fun and interesting and introduce new skills. Being active as a family can benefit everyone. Simply put, an active family is a happy family. I'm curious about when someone does retire from the military and then finds you guys and you help them find a new job. Do you also help with that transition? Because uh, sometimes that can be a challenge for uh, a veteran to go from living a military lifestyle to living as a civilian. Yeah, absolutely. So we're actually working with a couple of people right now. And it's like I said before, we were a relationship-based company, but you know, that's with our clients. But a lot of times with the candidates we're helping a place, we, we develop friendships and have, you know, I mean, it's, it's you know, someone there to be a sounding board and, and provide um, some reality. Because I think not only do civilians have misconceptions about today's veteran and about hiring them and their experiences, you know, the people who have been in the military, whether it's four years or 21 years, ha- may have misconceptions about the civilian world and, and, and what reception they're going to get. And one of the lines that I like to tell people getting out of the military is there's going to be no parades. Nobody really cares about you. You know, when they say thank you for your service, it's more reflexive in a politically correct society. And and the closing is, I, I, tell, I tell them all the time, just because they let you on the plane first doesn't mean they really care about you. It doesn't mean they're going to give you a job. So... A lot of veterans today think, oh, like I see all this fanfare, I'm going to get out and everybody's going to want me and everybody's going to want to give me a job and everybody's going to pay me a lot of money. And they get slapped in the face immediately and they realize that's just not the case. So, 
It can be uh, eye-opening for sure. What was that? What was your transition like? Because you you retired from the Navy, and then was I heard the story? Maybe it was from you that you literally got in the car the next day and yep. drove from California to Maine yep. to take a job here in Lewis and Auburn. Yeah, I got really lucky. I knew you know Maine was on my radar. I knew I wanted to do something pseudo political, primarily. Um, and I was fortunate to see the job opening, and it was a four or five month hiring process. It took forever, um, but fortunately for me, the timing was right to where I had my retirement ceremony. I got in the car, I drove here the next day, but technically was still active duty for a couple of months. So I was getting two paychecks, and life was good, and I hit the transition timing perfect. Um, and and most importantly, I was very fortunate in that um, I had some good mentorship, right? There are people in Maine who I'd worked with in the political realm who were experienced veterans, who were very successful, who were that sounding board where it is non-PC advice given on how to conduct yourself and what to do and how to think and and understanding differences. You know, to me, you know, I, I, I could not understand why, you know, I'm applying for a job in November of 2014 and I didn't get the offer until April of 15. Like, to me, that seemed indecisive, inefficient. What a waste of time. To me, I thought, like, wow, it should, you know, should be, should be obvious. Like, interview the people you're going to interview, make your hire, and move on. And uh, that's not how it works in the civilian world. There, it's, it's a lot slower. And what we call it in the military is a sense of urgency, right? Like, there's less of a sense of Everything in the military is time-oriented, time-sensitive. It's hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. And... Um, there's a lot of terminology in the military like that. Hurry up and wait. Um, sense of urgency. And, and that's applicable in a hiring perspective because for military, it doesn't matter if you're hiring. If it takes a company a whole week to go through a hiring process, that's going to seem like a long time to somebody in the military. Right. Let alone most companies today, um, they take three weeks or longer, which um, I think is too long. We work with a lot of companies on their process and kind of open their eyes to some of those things. Do you take that sense of urgency to to military talent source? Yeah. I mean, I think... I mean, do you instill that in your team? Yeah. We, we were Actually, that was part of our phone conversation this week is, is getting things done. Like, you got to get things done. And things aren't done until they're done. And, it, you know, you, it, I think a, a lot of the civilian world is much more complacent an accepting of mediocrity than than someone in a in a military background. So, you know, and that's what's going to take you know to build a company. You know, Amazon started as a home based business, and if there wasn't a drive and a constant desire to improve and build and get better and you know work harder, um, Amazon wouldn't be what it is today. I mean, Apple started in a garage. Like some of America's Facebook started in a college dorm. Like you think of America's largest companies, most successful companies that started as an idea, in, in somebody's garage or dorm room. Um, so anything's possible, but it comes down to that individual and in the, in the leadership. Are you willing to accept? What are you willing to accept? And you see that a lot of that in Maine, right? Small business owners, you have you have a choice to make. And when I, I, I have friends that have since started small businesses all over the country, and I, for a time I did some small business administration, um, 
small business counseling and quickly tell somebody like, okay, you're interested in having your own business. Is it a lifestyle business or is it a business business? Because those are two different things. If you're just trying to do something to earn a specific amount of income to get by, that's a lot different type of business than a business business, right? Where you're yeah. going to hire people and, and you're going to try to grow to an extent where you can have uh, maybe a, a, a buyout type offer where you're going to sell your company, make a lot of money. So um, for me, it's, it's the latter, you know, uh, we're growing year over year for sure. Growing as a company, hiring more people, adding larger clients, making more money. Um, you know, that's, that's my goal. My, my goal is not to just make enough of an income to be comfortable. Right. That was, you know, from the beginning, that was part of the, the plan and strategy, right? Right. Yeah. I'm not in it. I'm not interested in just having a lifestyle. Like it's go big or go home. Like, you know, that's what we're driving for. And, and I communicate that to my team. They know too. I'm not here just to say I own my own business and make up my own title and feel important and be able to control my day. And, you know, quite frankly, you know, being a business owner and having my own business, I work, you know, 60, 70, 80 hours a week, you know, I'm always working. So it, you know, it's a lot of the jobs that I've had, I've always had a hard, um, I always worked hard and had a hard work ethic, but the difference now is I actually reap 100% of the benefits that I invest into my business. And you're also 100% accountable for everything that happens. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what happens, it's my fault. And that's something else that military people are very accustomed to, is owning, owning, having ownership. Yeah. My thanks to Matt for taking the time to speak with us and to share his perspective on military veterans. A big shout out to the YMCA of Auburn-Lewiston for sponsoring this program. You can find out more about them at alymca.org. We have many more exciting guests ahead, so make sure you subscribe to this podcast wherever you listen to your other shows. That way you're not missing out on future episodes when they are released. We also want to thank you for listening. You, our audience, is the most important piece of this program. And we know that these recordings are just slices of a bigger ongoing conversation that we want you to be a part of. If you have any thoughts or ideas, please let us know on social media. LA Metro Magazine is on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Connect with us there. Positive vibes and well wishes from all of us at LA Metro Magazine. Until next time, I'm your host, Colby Michaud. Make sure you're being entertained, staying informed, and getting inspired. 